We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 165. Our guest today is incredibly talented, super multi-passionate, and has managed to find an incredible way to put together her two loves, which are horses and rescuing horses, with her major talent for being a recording artist, singer-songwriter. She takes her experiences with rescuing her horses and memories and moments that make her horses really special to her and creates incredible songs. So how cool is that? She also recently, especially during the pandemic, is not only a recording artist, but she creates and produces freestyle dressage tracks. So all of my dressage listeners out there, make sure you listen because that is so incredible and she does an amazing job. She also is coming out with a YouTube channel very soon, so be on the lookout for that. But without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Lindsay DeTuyo, or maybe better known as Lyra V. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. It's really uh, such a pleasure. I seriously think you are one of the most incredible, unique people in our industry with what you do and taking a passion that's well-known and becoming more and more talked about within our industry, which is something Mm -hmm. I always try to talk about on the podcast. But the way that you're going about kind of raising awareness and giving horses a voice, I think is so awesome. So before I get ahead of myself, I kind of want to rewind and chat a little bit about how you first got into the horse world. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, my mom had horses growing up and I just remember her telling me all of these awesome stories that sounded like so much fun and so much adventure. And I always wanted to have a horse when I was little, but we just didn't have the environment and the ability to do that. So I was able to go to summer camp and that was my horsey fix (laughs) for many years. Yeah. And then I just, I kind of became the crazy weird horse girl (laughs) naturally, (laughs) most often the case with equestrians growing up, I think. But unfortunately I got bullied a lot for that. So I ended up eventually like switching schools, which is kind of unrelated, but I switched schools, ended up going to a private school. And when that happened, I like made the decision to kind of reinvent myself to not be the weird horse girl. So (laughs) I got away from horses for a while just because I didn't really have the time for it to and the access to it. So yeah, I, I kind of stepped away from horse the horse world for a really long time. And that's kind of when like music took over and was my main outlet for a while. So fast forward to after I was like, I already had started college. Let's see. So I started college and I was like going back and forth, visiting my family. And I came back for a weekend and my mom told me about this really awesome horse rescue that was in our area. And I like did not, I don't know why it never occurred to me, but I didn't like even consider that that was a thing that was in my area or 
like I didn't know those existed. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I ended up finding out about this horse rescue and I volunteered, which was a totally amazing experience. And I'm so glad that I started doing that. But it really like, it felt like a homecoming <laughs> when I first got there. It was really strange. Like I think because I hadn't been around horses for so long, and then when I kind of came back into it, it was a totally different aspect of the horse world because prior to that, all I had known was these amazing lesson horses that were like easygoing, totally sweet and well-trained. And then like I got thrown into the rescue horse world, which is like, Quite I don't want to say, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say exact opposite world, but it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely different. And you kind of have to earn your trust with these horses and be very patient. So that was a learning curve for sure. And then that whole experience really just reintroduced me into the horse world in a different and new way and, and helped me meet some amazing people from that. So that's where I met my first horse, Romeo, who was an off the track thoroughbred. Do like, you remember like your feeling or that memory of like first meeting him? Oh my gosh, yes. It was the first day that I was there. <laughs> and I actually, my mom had been like volunteering or not volunteering, but she had like been to like go for tours frequently, um, which I had like no idea about any of that. (laughs) But so she, I guess like found out that this rescue was bringing on a couple new horses that day. And she was like, Oh, I'm going to go to this rescue. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, first of all, I didn't know that this was a thing that you did, but sure I'll come. (laughs) So I actually went to go meet the two new horses that were out of like a neglect, a serious neglect case. And They were seized really, really in bad shape, but they were like all the way at the back of the rescue. So you had to walk through like all these different paddocks to get there. And there was this one massive paddock. And that was where I met Romeo for the first time. He was in with two other horses. And I just remember we walked, we were like entered the paddock and we were walking through and he was right by my side the whole time, which I was like, oh my God, this horse loves me, which honestly, I think he just wanted treats, but I was just like... (laughs) so smitten like it's oh my sign. god this is such a cool experience yeah it's like he's the one whatever and I'm sorry if I get emotional because I he's just like my heart horse yeah in so absolutely. many ways but yeah so I ended up like right away I was in love with him and then I asked the rescue founder like a little bit about his story And it just like my heart just sank when I heard it because I related to him so much. And so he was another horse that was a victim of serious neglect. And he was in with another horse that didn't make it out. He was just so emaciated, so poorly, he was not going to make it. So they made the decision to euthanize him then and there. And I still feel like he, that definitely had an effect on Romeo because he went to a new place totally by himself. And that was like his buddy. And I had my best friend growing up who was like such an amazing person. She got diagnosed with cancer and she ended up passing away. And I feel like throughout high school, I used music to kind of cope with that. But it wasn't until I met Romeo that like I felt understood. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this this horse knows what I'm going through in some way. And I just like totally bonded with him because of that. And 
then I found out that he was an ex-race horse and I was like, oh my God, he's so cool. Like <laughs> this horse yeah. is, yeah, I was, it's funny because I, he was like, everybody was like, oh, this horse is like so crazy. And he's probably like the most unpredictable horse on the farm. And like, nobody will, like he, he's rideable, but you really need to be like super experienced, whatever to ride him. And I was told by so many people, like, you're never going to ride him. Don't even think about it. When I was like first getting even like considering any of that. So yeah, I, I just started volunteering and it took me like a few years before I actually was able to even think about riding him. And I took lessons on different horses and different things, but like there's, it's such a weird thing to think about because realistically, I feel like if he had like continued to be the horse that he was like when I first met him, then there's no way I would have been able to get on his back. <laughs> but I think because we like spent so much time together and we grew this like trust, we had like a common ground there and he was super sweet and always tried to take care of me whenever I was riding him. So I'm very grateful that like he actually changed to actually be like super calm, which was unreal to me. So yeah. So anyways, that's Romeo. I could like wow. talk about Romeo for the entire episode, but anyway. Do you, <laughs> do you have like the memory of your first ride on him? Like what was it like the first getting on him? <laughs> well, it was, it was, I was like, so, I don't know. I was just so excited. <laughs> I actually, I ended up falling off my first ride because he ended up spooking at like some tractors or something. And so I fell off and I was shaking so bad. I was like, I told the trainer, I'm like, I'm not getting back on. This is not happening right now. And she was like, nope, you're getting back on like right now. So like, go get your horse. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) I did get back on and we had an amazing rest of our ride and that was great. But yeah, I, I just, he was, I was after that, I was like, oh my God, I don't know. I'm in way over my head here. Like this is not a horse that I'm supposed to be working with. We definitely had our moments too. Like it wasn't all like butterflies and rainbows. He definitely tested me a lot in the beginning with his little racehorse quirks and things like out on the trails, he would take sudden left turns out of nowhere with no warning. He would just like (laughs) all of a sudden take the left turn and I had to like learn to stay on. But I feel like those are the experiences that helped me become a better rider and definitely not like I've never felt like I'm the prettiest, most elegant rider out there, but I know how to stay in the saddle. And I think I owe a lot of that to Romeo because he taught me how to like, how to really pay attention to the signs and to watch for like when something's about to happen. So I'm very grateful for those experiences as crazy as they were. So Romeo was your first rescue and you have a couple in your herd. How many do yes. you have now? <laughs> um, rescues, I have three. And then I also have two dressage horses as well. Amazing. So cool. So as you were getting back into riding again, tell me a little bit about what you were doing for work and how music kind of played a role in your life at that point when you were first getting back into riding again. Sure. So I really, I started just like, as I guess to compensate for like board and like actually being able to ride, I just started volunteering like crazy at the rescue for the first, like, I want to say like two, three years before I actually adopted him and moved him out. So I just kind of like tried to make up for all of my riding time and like my, my fun time by like feeding and grooming all of the horses and exercising them and that kind of thing. So that was 
a really amazing experience because it taught me so much about horses, but like I, I made so many amazing friends through that too. And it taught me about people and I guess like about myself really. And I know people like say this a lot, but I really feel like Romeo is my mirror. Like whenever I am having a bad day, like if I don't notice it right away, he will tell me with how he's acting. And I'm just like, if I see that he's acting kind of funky and like, what's going on with me today? Something's not right. Wow. <laughs> Which I, I think is like a really corny thing to say, but I can't explain it. It's just something that like I've experienced and it's the it's just bizarre. That is, um, so that's than, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. So other than that, I guess music wise, music has always been a big part of my life. And when I went to college, I started taking music classes, even though I actually went to college for film and that was my main focus. I got more involved with music actually after I moved back home for a short period of time, I moved around quite a bit. So I hope my timeline is clear enough. But so I, let's see, I went off to college when I was 17, 18. And then I was in New York for that period of time. And then I came back and then I met Romeo for like, and then I would like, come on my vacations and visit with him. But then I ended up going to school in Chicago. So I would kind of come back and forth taking care of him and volunteering just on weekends and on vacations until I made the decision that I was going to adopt him. And then I ended up moving back home full time to take care of him and get ready to adopt him, find a new place for him and all of that, like a crazy experience. So then I, during that, I ended up going to school in Connecticut, which is where um, I grew up and, and where he was. So yeah, I've just kind of been balancing like going to school and taking care of him together. But yeah, he definitely plays, and not just him, but all of my horses play a big role in my music in the sense that like when I spend more time at the barn with my horses, I am so much more creatively inspired and able to write more easily, which I thought was super interesting when I was starting out because it was like so obvious. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think I spend more time focusing on my animal's nutrition than my own. Since 1985, with roots dating back to 1842, Mana Pro has been committed to providing high-quality, nutritionally wholesome feeds, supplements, and treats for your animals. As a company comprised of animal lovers just like us, Mana Pro understands the desire to provide your animals with the very best. Their passion is happy, healthy pets, and they are the trust partner in providing just that. If you haven't checked out ManaPro before, make sure you do. Their website is manapro.com, M-A-N-N-A-P-R-O.com. I get all of my treats there. My horses absolutely love them, but they have other stuff for other animals, not just for horses. So make sure you go check them out. They are absolutely incredible. So thank you so much, ManaPro. All right, let's get back to the episode. At what point did you use horses or, you know, kind of feed off of the energy that you got from your horses for your music inspiration to then writing songs about your horses? I feel like there was a bit of a, mm. a transition for you where it was, you had riding, you had music, and then I think like slowly over time, those two kind of morphed together. So tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, definitely. In the beginning, I was very nervous about, I guess, writing songs about my horses because I felt like that wouldn't be received very well, like in the music industry in general. And I didn't want it to be like corny. 
So that was definitely a challenge to overcome. So I've always really been attached to atmospheric music and like singing about places and like circumstances, like if that makes sense. So like my first single is called Circus. My next single is called Northern Lights. And so I like singing about like places and and having symbolism to kind of tell my story. So it wasn't until, I guess, I want to say like when my mare got really sick and she was in the hospital. That was the first time that I really wrote a song about my horses, like just without even thinking about it. It was just came so naturally because I was so distraught at the time. And I was just hoping that she was going to get better. She was, she went in for gas colic and I thought that that was the end. I thought she was going to have to have surgery. So I ended up writing a song that was just like me expressing my hope for her to get better. And that was like, the moment that I got this little light bulb in my head, like this needs to be an album and there's not enough that I can say about my horses in this one song. So I need to like break it up and definitely utilize all the different experiences that I've had in my life and, and use that creatively and, and help me have more, I guess, I don't want to say that my music before wasn't real and wasn't like true to who I am, but this definitely resonated with me more, I guess, because horses are such a big part of my life. So I think having that experience helped me really fuel my creative sense and helped me write music that um, was for my horses and to really give them their own voice. So cool. Do you find that it's easier now to write music? Yeah, definitely. And and coming back, like, I guess I never really took a break from music, but I, I took a break from like performing live and like doing well, any of that for a while. And my mom was the one who brought me back into it. She introduced me to this voice coach who was local and, and she was just amazing. And I've been with her ever since I met her. And then she's just really pushed me to write my own music and has given me so much support. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. <laughs> so you attended our very first equestrian workshop last year when it was in Florida. Thank you. It was such a blast. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the kind of like what you, not necessarily what you experienced about the workshop, but what, how mm -hmm. that kind of propelled your brand. You go by Lyra V. Tell me a little bit about how you got your name. And then, yeah, from that experience last year in Florida, how that has kind of put you on the trajectory that you are now. Right. So I did not know that there were so many different areas of the equestrian world. Right. Um, I always knew they existed, but like actually being in a room with was it 12 or 13 different people of all different areas was mm. a surreal experience. And that made me realize like there's actually people here that I feel like these are people who would actually love to hear a song written about a horse. Like totally. I feel like there's actually people here that would want to hear what I have to say. Totally. So that really, really totally helped me shift my brand entirely because prior to that, I was just, I had a totally separate like Instagram account and website for all of my music stuff. Then I did like my horsey stuff. So after that workshop, I ended up merging everything and it felt like it, it was like long overdue. Like I can't tell you how amazing that was for me to do. I've just said, I can't say enough good things about it. Like I, 
was fortunate to really connect with some amazing equestrians because of the workshop, but also it just overall broadened my view to see just how many creative equestrians are out there. Yeah, I think that's one of my, I mean, that's always my favorite takeaway with the workshops now, just coming off of our second one, is the mm-hmm. the relationships that you make and that especially like you growing up as an equestrian and as a horse girl and kind of that being a negative connotation for you, just being mm. able to kind of switch that narrative that, you know, what a horse girl means to you is probably totally different than what it meant to you as a kid. Oh, definitely. And, and I got a lot of backlash in the beginning when I tried to introduce some of my horsey life onto my music page. I got a lot of backlash from like my people who I considered my mentors. And they told me like, oh, no, you have to keep that separate. That's not, nobody wants to see that. So that was a really strange thing to like actually have people be on my side about like, hey, we are interested in this and there's a place for you in the equestrian world. Totally. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about how you uh, chose your name, Lyra V. Yeah, I made a list basically of all the different names that I liked and they were all, again, like atmospheric, like kind of like galaxy. And so I decided on Lyra because of a little Greek myth that is about the Lyra constellation in the sky. The Lyra represents the lyre, which was given to, I'm trying to remember which one it was, given to Othello from Zeus. And basically the story goes that as long as he played this lyre through this really dangerous forest, nothing would harm him because he played so beautifully. So that just resonated with me because I was like, you know, as long as I play music that I'm happy with, nothing can get in my way. Wow. What and a then cool the V, story. I think, yeah, and the V comes from the Vela constellation, which is like the one that Lyra is within. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so cool. Wow. I love it. Moving forward, kind of looking ahead at your next year or so, obviously, I'm sure COVID affected being able to perform and things like mm-hmm. that. How did you pivot to be able to still come out with, you know, like two amazing singles? And what does it now <laughs> look like going forward? Yeah. So COVID really shook up my world as far as performing live goes. Obviously, it's not as easy to coordinate those events now. And even even now, as things are opening up, people are still on the fence about it. So I actually decided at the beginning of COVID that I was going to learn how to produce my own music. That was one thing that I've like wanted to learn for a while, but that really pushed me to just go for it. And in doing that, I actually started creating tracks for dressage freestyles which I absolutely love doing now. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I like dove into that because I have absolutely loved like just dressage in general. And I'm trying to learn dressage myself. I'm definitely not an expert by any means, but I just love the sport. And I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but yeah, connecting music with horses through dressage just seemed it's like something that made sense. So yeah, I've been making dressage freestyle tracks and just combining all different things, which has helped me learn a little bit about producing. Um, so yeah, that's definitely my future. And I'm hoping I can get a little bit better at producing so I can start to produce my own vocals and do all of that going forward. So yeah, that's definitely 
become my main focus as far as music goes right now. So yeah, I've kind of totally shifted from like performance to making tracks for people who do dressage. Very cool. Yeah, that's an amazing pivot because it's something that you can (laughs) still do out of the comfort of your home, but it's still definitely a need. And it's super unique. Like, so yeah, I love it. Very cool. Well, as we are wrapping up, what would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about that you would want to shed some light on? I I feel like senior horses in general deserve more love and attention. I guess just I'm biased because I absolutely love my senior horses, but I, I guess like I grew up thinking like young horses were like the thing to have. And it was just weird coming back into the equine industry in a new way to kind of see like, here are all of these older horses that don't have homes, like they don't have a person. And that just broke my heart. So I would say in general, giving senior horses more love. And I also am just a big fan of like groundwork and liberty training. And I feel like there's so much you can do on the ground to benefit a horse, especially an older horse, to make their lives a little bit more comfortable and have them, I guess, like kind of experience what their learning style is and keep their brains going. And I just am a huge fan of older horses. So yeah, I guess that would be my thing. When you are rescuing horses, do you have a particular type that you go for um, (laughs) as far as like age or like their past life or like do you just kind of grab anything and everything? (laughs) I, you know, I feel like it's weird because I feel like, like I have the mentality of like when you know, you know, kind of. Um, So that was kind of how I went into it, like when I got my two newest rescues. But yeah, like I I had like, I like to be a very like structured, strategic thinker. So like I make notes on everything like, okay, this horse is this old. This is what this horse can do. But then that all goes out the window when you see a little Arabian with scars all over her face running into an arena being like beaten. So I don't know. I just kind of seize the moment when, you know, when it presents you and presents itself to you and you have to do something or you feel you have to do something. That's when you know that's the horse for you, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that's the best advice, but like I just have have felt like every time that I've met my next horse, it just felt right. And it just Mm -hmm. felt like I have found my purpose and my purpose is to like be here for this horse. Do you have certain goals in mind when you take on a rescue? I mean, obviously, like you're able to ride some and, you know, everyone, every horse is kind of at different stages and has different limits. Is is there particular goals that you have for your rescues? Uh, Definitely. I mean, the two most recent ones that I ended up taking on, I actually took them on with the intent of rehoming them. One of them I did rehome, but it didn't end up working out for them. So I took him back, which I'm happy to have him. I love him, but that wasn't the plan. But yeah, but I think like my first step, number one, I would say is figuring out what their learning style is. Because I think like it's easy to get in the mindset of like, I'm going to get a project horse and I'm going to do hunter jumper or I'm going to do dressage. And like sometimes that doesn't work out because the horse just isn't 
built for that or isn't their mind isn't there for it. So my first step is always figuring out what their learning style is, whether it's like they're more visual learner, like my oldest, well, he's not oldest, but my most recent rescue, he is definitely a visual learner. Like he likes hand gestures. My other horse loves the clicker and that's like her training method. So I guess my first step is like figuring out what their learning style is and then trying to build off of that. Very cool. I mean, you find you find that obviously the beauty of horses is that they're a lot like us in the sense of, you know, carrying totally different personalities from like one to the next. And mm-hmm, um, definitely, it's just so cool. It's like there's never like a one size fits all mold for you know training or rehab or you know anything like that as part of that journey. So it's cool that you have made that a priority when you bring a new horse into your home and your, you know, your, your little program. So that I think that that's really important for sure. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I haven't seen you since the workshop, so I missed (laughs) you and wanted to hear about what you were up to. And I just think you're doing amazing things and I'm excited to see how you continue to grow with Lyra V. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. And I'm very glad that you invited me on here to chat with you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.